most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, February 14th, 2022, the 390th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone, I guess. I hope that if you are in love, you do something very special with the person you love, and that makes them happy enough not to complain about how you ruined Valentine's Day. And if you're not in love, well... You have an extra reason to feel bad about that and a longer wait at the restaurant tonight if you choose to go and you are, you know, vaccinated and allowed to go to restaurants. I guess they're about to release the vaccine only policy in Washington, D.C. for their restaurants. So another failure for the global communists. And I guess congratulations to all of you on that. The Super Bowl happened, and I guess congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. And that, of course, was a perfect excuse for people in Los Angeles to begin rioting and looting, because that's, I guess, what you do when you're happy about football. And let's talk about the whole Super Bowl experience for just a minute. And I know everyone's like, what are you watching sports for? I'm with you. Okay, mostly. I've probably cut my sports watching down 95% in the last two years, but the Super Bowl is still a cultural institution. And if you want to know what is going on with mainstream culture, there are a few better ways to get it all in one very short and excruciating dose. So I had the game on and was going back and forth to it throughout the evening And the game itself, the football game part of it, was just fine. Good game. Didn't really like the pass interference calls at the end that allowed Los Angeles a whole bunch of downs inside the 10-yard line, which they eventually capitalized on. And, you know, I guess good for them. Joe Burrow was my fantasy quarterback all season, so I kind of wanted him to win. And truth be told, Los Angeles doesn't deserve to have a football champion in the city. And even if they did, they kind of don't even give a shit about the Rams. Yes, the Rams were in Southern California like almost 30 years ago. And so there's still some carryover Rams fans from back then. But primarily in Los Angeles, it's Raiders, Chargers, and 49ers to varying degrees. And everybody there is an orphan and transplant from somewhere else. So NFL fandom in Los Angeles is kind of spread around in the same way that it is in the rest of the country. And now what you have is just a bunch of pretenders in brand new Rams jerseys pretending that they've been down since day one. They are taking on the image of caring about football, just like they do with everything else. And so the cultural disaster that was on full display last night was rather amazing. It is such a sign of the decadence of our culture in general. And the culture that was on display last night is the exact culture that has our society in such decline. It is 100% self-obsessed, navel-gazing, future-looking scientific materialism. And all of that was just embedded in every commercial. 
And they also possess this very strange hint of some kind of synthetic nostalgia that they were trying to build up in viewers who I guess are my age, 10 to 15 years younger, 10 to 15 years older. They had a commercial for a Chevy, like a big Chevy electric truck that was also a Sopranos reunion. They took the theme music to Sopranos and played that while the two Sopranos kids, Jamie Lynn Siegler, and I can't remember what the son's name was, the guy who played AJ Soprano, but they drove through Sopranos land and then parked and plugged in their cars at the curbside electric charging stations. Yeah, Chevy, this truck will get you anywhere so long as there's not a power outage caused by inclement weather or perhaps just some communist desire to have rolling blackouts in neighborhoods they don't really want to have power. And if you live in Los Angeles, you're very familiar with that concept. They had really insane and creepy commercials for the metaverse. And in some sense, all those commercials were kind of for the metaverse. Just robot dogs and strange creatures. You can have whatever you want as long as you pretend that a fictional world is real. And that is pretty much the selling point for everything in the communist agenda. And it kind of tells you why all these commies believe what they believe. They are existing in a fantasy world that doesn't exist, but they're able to make contact with a facsimile of the real world that makes them feel better than the actual real world. So that is where they spend most of their time and energy, and it's where they get all of their thoughts. They had Miley Cyrus singing like a We Are the World version of how much she loves mobile phones. There was Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost with an AI in their house that would read their thoughts and just do whatever they wanted with the machines. Oh, the blender. They were advertising the internet of things and the internet of bodies all night. Understand what they're doing, please. These are not just new products that make your life easier. In fact, there is nothing hard about turning on blenders. All right. We have to get a real grip on what they are doing. Okay. This is a different sort of convenience. They are taking things that are not inconvenient, making them seem like they must be, and then telling you how to fix it by giving up full control over your data, your voice, and your thoughts. Literally everything you say and do, the machines listen to, and they try to figure out what will make this person depend more on the machines. Let's give it to them. They had some device called Q that will protect you and protect your home. It'll tell you when you might have COVID. It was absolutely deranged. They had a Scrubs reunion for T-Mobile. Because if you're going to venture into a false universe, you want the third most prominent cell phone carrier to take you there. They had Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen advertising potato chips. And all I could think was like, how many of these very serious, very famous actors are going to be in commercials now? And I know that's not a new thing, but it's a relatively new thing. I mean, it's been like that for 15 or 20 years. First time I remember it happening was when Catherine Zeta-Jones started doing, I think, T-Mobile commercials. And that was like, I don't know, 2005. And yes, of course, there were actors doing commercials before then. But the old way of thinking was that serious actors wouldn't find themselves doing their art, their craft, so that they could sell potato chips. That used to be looked at as unserious. 
And now it's just looked at as a great way to make money. And hey, if you can make money that way and you like to make money that way, go ahead and make money that way. Everybody's got to earn a living. All good. But you got to understand these people who are selling you everything from the metaverse to things that record everything you say and do in your home to potato chips are the same people who are constantly telling you what to think about politics and what you should inject into your body. And it's probably important to understand the connection between those. And then they decided that they were going to make Lindsay Lohan relevant again. And I've got nothing against Lindsay Lohan, but what are you doing? And why was William Shatner there? And then we get to the halftime show. And I hate halftime shows. Okay. I'm going to put that out there right from the get go. Is that a bias? Hey, maybe they're terrible. Because mainstream American culture is terrible and halftime shows have been terrible for a very, very long time. And the set of the halftime show was really strange and really disturbing. I mean, I have talked plenty of times about how the ultimate future that they are striving for with the Great Reset and how the Great Reset will actually look, you know, the future where you own nothing and like it. You basically exist on the government's dime. You get your universal basic income. You'll own nothing, which means your home is not yours. You are living in small government housing. You have a shower, right? You have a bathroom. You have a tiny kitchen, but you don't really use it because there's like cafeterias downstairs or they'll just bring you food. You just stay in your home all day, your little 12 by 12 box. You look at the screens. Eventually, you'll just put on the goggles and live in there all day long. And because your real life existence is so awful, you will spend all of your time in the fake reality. And that's exactly what it looked like they were going for with that set. They have all these, they, you know, they look like little box cars one next to another. And there's all different stuff going on in there. In one room, 50 Cent is hanging from the ceiling like a bat. And it honestly looks like hell, a burning inferno. And 50 Cent is just hanging from the roof like a bat. And they've got this real creepy camera look. I think I might have talked about it once before. I've been noticing it throughout like the NFL season. And now it's in like all the other sports broadcasts where it is a super high focus on the foreground and then the background is all kind of blurred out in a sense and it looks exactly like a video game which is really strange it's like they're trying to really blur the lines between reality and the entirely synthetic reality that they will be presenting to you constantly for the rest of history if they get their way, which they won't. So I think all this metaverse stuff is silly nonsense that will never really come to pass. And it remains to be seen whether or not I'll be right about that. But it's just so weird. And then they have Mary J. Blige and Eminem and Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and it's not 1995 and it's not even 2005. So it's really hard to tell why it's not particularly classic music. And I'm not trying to offend anyone. I think Eminem is a significant uh, musical artist in some sense in the last couple of decades. Dr. Dre and Snoop absolutely are. There's no question about it. The Chronic was. I think one of the greatest rap albums in history, but that was 30 years ago. And it's not like they're Prince, you know, like, why do you have to get seven different acts? Maybe it was even eight. Once you count Anderson Pock too, in one show, they're just trying to trigger that nostalgic sense over and over and over again with these little two minute bites of 
songs you used to like or maybe used to hear when you'd go out. And people are like, that was amazing. Really? What was amazing about it? I want someone to actually tell me what was amazing about it. Because I feel like the only thing they could possibly mean is that they just love to have that nostalgia thing triggered over and over and over and over again. Gotta get that dopamine hit. Gotta feel like I'm still connected to mainstream culture in some way. It hasn't passed me by. They can't afford to disorient you too much with like Billie Eilish and Travis Scott. So instead we get that shit show. And man, oh man, I try to put myself in my own mindset from like six years ago, you know, where I was just in Hollywood all the time and this culture was all around and everywhere. And even back then, I didn't like this stuff, all right? Like, it's not like I was all invested in mainstream pop culture and then one day realized how bad it was. I always realized that stuff was bad. My beliefs weren't fully in line with that perspective because I still existed in a large extent addicted to the central narrative and assuming that the things I was told by the elite trusted sources were somehow true and connected to reality. It turns out they're not at all. But I was still the guy talking about how awful Beyonce was at Coachella while everyone else was saying that it was the most important performance of all time. And nights like last night where the mainstream culture decadence is just going through the roof. Those were like my favorite nights when I used to be on legacy social media before I got banned by Instagram and Twitter because my followers out there were some of the people that help create all of this awful culture. And it was always a good time to say all of the normal stuff I say, but just, you know, right in their faces on social media. So I really missed out on that. But I think we may look back at what some of us witnessed last night and what much of the country witnessed last night as maybe the absolute pinnacle of that decadence. And it's going to be all downhill from here for that part of culture, because these people are about to start losing their minds completely. and. They haven't been tuned into it yet because the mainstream media outside of Fox will not tune them in. They could go a week or two weeks or three weeks, maybe even a month before they get wind that something is actually wrong on their side. And what I'm talking about, of course, is the filing on Friday from John Durham's office that has essentially for all intents and purposes, proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that Hillary Clinton's campaign through the DNC and through Perkins Coie not only illegally spied on Donald Trump's campaign, but continued to spy on Donald Trump after he was president of the United States, including spying on the executive office of the president. And so let me lay out that scenario for you. And I'm going to turn to the best techno fog. This is from Saturday. Durham, Clinton allies spied on the executive office of the president. On February 11th, 2022, Durham filed the government's motion to inquire into potential conflicts of interest in the Michael Sussman case. As you might recall, Sussman was charged with giving false statements to then FBI general counsel James Baker regarding the interests he was representing in pushing to the FBI the Alpha Bank Trump Organization hoax. The basis for the latest motion is that Sussman's current counsel, Latham and Watkins LLP, who we mentioned last week, by the way, Liz Cheney's husband is a partner at Latham and Watkins. So Latham and Watkins might have a conflict of interest because Latham previously represented Perkins Coie and Mark 
Elias in this investigation. It is alleged that Latham, quote, likely possesses confidential knowledge about Perkins Coey's role in and views concerning Sussman's past activities. There might also be a conflict because Latham was representing both the Clinton campaign and Hillary for America in the special counsel's investigation. Durham observes that Latham's duties to these former clients, quote, might cause its interests to diverge from those of Sussman. Why might there be a conflict? Because Durham might offer evidence at trial he obtained from the Clinton campaign and Hillary for America, and because certain employees of the Clinton campaign and Hillary for America might be witnesses at Sussman's trial. Theoretically, a Clinton campaign witness could be called by the prosecution to prove up billing records and payments made to Sussman. I guess they might have already testified to a grand jury about this. Another conflict issue is that Latham helped Perkins Coie draft and issue public statements concerning Sussman's 2016 meeting with the FBI general counsel per Durham. Those statements, which Sussman appears to have reviewed or assisted in drafting, were at least partially inaccurate and or misleading. Thus, Latham may encounter potential conflicts of interest in advising the defendant concerning past events in which Latham played a significant role. We previously discussed how Rodney Jaffe, identified as Tech Executive One in the Sussman indictment and in the latest filing discussing the conflict, exploited proprietary and perhaps classified data provided by DARPA to further their own political attacks and how that might result in charges. This latest filing summarizes Jaffe's activities, stating Jaffe asked his researchers to, quote, mine Internet data to establish an inference and narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia, end quote. It was later confirmed that two DARPA employees have given grand jury testimony, so it appears Durham is following this track. Now, one interesting thing aside, even Fox in covering it and most of the mainstream outlets who have covered this continue to say that they don't know who Tech Executive One is or what Tech Company One is. And they will probably claim that since he's not directly named in the case, they could potentially be wrong. So the chance of them being wrong means they can't report it. But they know it's true. And the thing is that Rodney Jaffe has other problems in terms of his connections, namely that the connection between Jaffe and the Clinton campaign is Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, who is right now involved in handling the wag the dog effort to create a conflict in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. And they continue to say that something's going to happen this week. Well, they might know that something's going to happen this week because it's them doing it, but they just shipped a billion dollars over to Ukraine. Maybe they'll get Ukraine to play along. Back to Technofog. I provide that background because of what we have now learned. Durham just divulged to an extent that contractors and tech experts, meaning Jaffe and his cohorts, those same people involved in the Alpha Bank hoax, essentially spied on President Trump. According to Durham, Jaffe and his associates exploited Internet data from the executive office of the president of the United States to further their own political agenda and damage President Trump. They had come to possess this data as part of a, quote, sensitive arrangement, end quote, with the U.S. government. And he quotes from Durham here. The government's evidence at trial will also establish that among the Internet data tech executive one and his associates exploited was domain name system DNS traffic pertaining to a particular healthcare provider, Trump Tower, Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building and the executive office of the president of the United States. Tech Executive One's employer, Internet Company One, had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the executive office of the president as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the executive office of the president. Tech Executive One and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the EOP's DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. And this is back to Technofuck. Jaffe and his associates obtained the information because they had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the executive office of the president. 
They then manipulated this information to further a conspiracy theory that Trump and those in Trump's orbit were continuing their secret back channels with the Russians. This was repackaged with the Alpha Bank hoax and given a Sussman, who then laundered it to the CIA on February 9th, 2017. Apparently, Sussman was done dealing with the FBI. Sussman alleged to the CIA that the data showed that, quote, Trump and or his associates were using supposedly rare Russian made wireless phones in the vicinity of the White House and other locations. And quote, Durham identified no support for those allegations. One can't help ask why Jaffe via Sussman risked legal exposure to continue to push the false Trump Russia allegations before and after the 2016 election. First to the FBI in 2016, then to the CIA in 2017. It seems that Jaffe was desperate and his desperation only increased after Trump's election. The source of Jaffe's desperation? It's speculation at this point, but perhaps it goes to the origins of the purported Russia DNC hack. And that is a mild allusion to the Seth Rich murder. To revise a previous question we have asked, what if CrowdStrike was a patsy? there to unknowingly reach false conclusions of a Russian hack based on fraudulent information provided to them by Rodney Jaffe and Perkins Coie and the DNC Hillary campaign. We don't have an answer to that question yet. Maybe we never will. But that question becomes more reasonable the more we learn about Jaffe. At a minimum, it seems likely that we will see Jaffe's indictment. Don't ask if Jaffe was involved in a conspiracy. Ask how deep that conspiracy went and who else was involved. Now, the thing is, Barack Obama and Joe Biden were read in on all of this in July 2016 at the latest. We know that from John Brennan's notes about the meeting where he briefed them on this, that Hillary and the DNC were setting up the Russian collusion hoax. Now, then Donald Trump won. And they figured rather than letting the hoax go, they could use it to undermine Trump while he was in office. And it seems that the goal of continuing to spy on his office in the White House while he was president was to find more damning information that they could use to undermine his presidency, to enhance the Mueller probe, to enhance the fake Ukraine impeachment. And to enhance everything else, they were spying on a duly elected president while he was in office. Okay, and the special arrangement they're referring to with the U.S. government had to be implemented by someone in the government. So either it happened when Barack Obama was still president, which is the most likely thing. Or Trump's deep state undermined him, which is also entirely possible because the deep state that was embedded in the Trump administration tried to undermine him at every turn and they were successful a few times. And of course, Joe Biden knew about all of this as well. And Jake Sullivan is now his national security advisor, even though Sullivan played a major role in the setup of all of this and then the proliferation of all of this throughout the media. He was posting about all of this on Twitter, just as Hillary Clinton was. And Fox is running with this, but CNN and MSNBC are not. The New York Times, the Washington Post, none of them are talking about this at all. It's so bad and so damning that they would rather pretend it doesn't exist because they have a better chance of holding on to their audience and their audience's trust and loyalty and their audience's complicity by not discussing this at all. There is nothing they can say at this point, even through the twisting of their narratives that will maintain the idea that Donald Trump's campaign was not spied on. We're talking about people who still believe that Donald Trump and Russia worked together to steal the 2016 election, but also that the 2020 election was the safest and most secure election of all time. It's so bad, they're not even trying to give a counter narrative that they can set into people's brains before they hear about what has actually happened. And that, my friends, is absolutely insane. So Trump responded to all of this on Saturday, and he released a statement. The latest pleading from special counsel Robert Durham, 
It's John Durham, and people have their speculation about why he wrote Robert here. Could be just a simple mistake, could be referring to other things, or it could be that he's trolling people who have made that mistake before, kind of combining Robert Mueller and John Durham's name. But back to the statement. The latest pleading from special counsel Robert Durham provides indisputable evidence that my campaign and presidency were spied on by operatives paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign in an effort to develop a completely fabricated connection to Russia. This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate. And those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution in a stronger period of time in our country. This crime would have been punishable by death. In addition, reparations should be paid to those in our country who have been damaged by this. Now, obviously, the statement that he made has become a subject of controversy. And another possible reason that he may have said this part and said Robert Durham is because he wanted to get media attention onto this statement and onto this issue. And Many people believe, and I would say they have a great point, that Trump will intentionally make mistakes so that the conversation about his mistakes will lead into the conversation about the subject matter he's referring to. He just said that the people involved in this crime against America and it is a crime against America. And this is one of the crimes against America. I constantly say that these people are guilty of and guilty of covering up, whether it's anyone from Obama to Rachel Maddow illegally spying on the president of the United States in order to undermine him and remove him from office while you're working with your foreign partners is just 100% treason. And the punishment for treason is death. So when you hear people saying, lock her up or lock him up, or that person should be hung, or that person should stand before a firing squad, people aren't encouraging violence. They're encouraging justice under the law. This is what justice under the law indicates. This is treason. And he's exactly right. And I think Trump's tactic here is working. Jim Jordan went on Fox News yesterday and said he agreed with Donald Trump, which he should. That's the law. It is treason. But one of the uh, top blue and on communists on Twitter, some guy named John Cooper says breaking Jim Jordan told Fox News that he agrees with a Donald Trump statement that suggests Democrat operatives tied to the Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign should have been executed. And then he begs for retweets if you too think Jim Jordan should be censured for his ridiculous remarks. And thank you very much, John Cooper, for making this story bigger. That was the tactic. You fell for it. Thank you for your help. The media is trying to avoid it at all costs, but John Cooper has got to be righteous. So he's going to help get that story out there. And let's be clear. He's not actually stating what happened. He's trying to say he's trying to make it seem like Donald Trump just wants members of Hillary's campaign executed willy nilly because he's an authoritarian dictator. All he cares about is money and violence and power. But that's not it at all. These people knowingly staged a soft coup against the United States. And it's critical to ask yourself, do you believe that if they are willing to do this, they're not willing to create impeachment hoaxes? Of course they are. If they do this, are they willing to steal an election? They literally already tried to steal the election in 2016 through multiple different ways. But this this thing is part of trying to steal that election. They did not want the people to come out and vote for Donald Trump because they wanted to cover up all their crimes and they wanted to continue on with the global reset agenda, which Trump delayed for four years. And now the communists themselves have gone into warp speed to try to get everything back on track. And hey, 
Maybe that's part of what Trump had in mind when he said Operation Warp Speed. Maybe it wasn't only about getting the vaccine out to the public. So Trump put out another statement about this today after watching the mainstream media outside of Fox and the New York Post and the Daily Mail. Maybe there's one or two others. I haven't seen it. But the mainstream media completely ignored this story. It was not to be found on CNN's front page yesterday. On CNN, their headlines were about how Trump flushed documents down a toilet. And then Hillary made fun of Donald Trump flushing documents down a toilet. All probably very real, very important stories for sure. A list of times CNN told you that Donald Trump was about to be taken down. They're just reliving the Donald Trump scandals, trying to make all of the child brains remember, oh, Donald Trump is this huge criminal and we just never caught him. He's still at large. They have headlines about Joe Rogan hating black people. Joe Biden is going to kill Russia. He's going to be the the president that finally gives Putin a real what for. And incredibly, they had a story at the top of the front page about how arrests have been made at the border, except they were talking about the Canadian border. The only time they'll talk about the southern border is when they get a picture that they can pretend is a man on horseback whipping people. Because then they get to call it racist, and that's their favorite thing. But the media completely, completely ignored this story. A former candidate for president whose husband was president was paying through her organization. I'm sure she didn't hand over the money personally, being very responsible here. She was paying through her organization to have a duly elected president of the United States spied on in coordination with elements of the U.S. government, probably overseen by Barack Obama and certainly known about by Barack Obama and known about by Joe Biden. So what we have is a former first lady who ran for president, who in some sense leads some portion of the party a former Manchurian candidate who served eight years as president and the current fake president all involved in trying to take down a duly elected president by spying on him and covering it up. And the media doesn't care. The media doesn't care. They spent more time on whether or not the toilets at Trump Tower in Trump's place were golden. And that's because they're all complicit. They were all complicit in pushing the Russia hoax. They've spent years and years and years on this. They gave each other Pulitzer Prizes for it. They ran the Steele dossier. They followed every single second of the Mueller investigation that got them nowhere. Every single second of the Ukrainian impeachment hoax they made up to cover for Joe Biden. This should be the biggest story In political media history in this country, it legitimately is bigger than Watergate. They were both spying stories. This is a much longer spying campaign, and it was actually on the president. And it had significant real world impact. And I can just imagine the child brains out there thinking, yeah, but Trump was really bad. We needed to spy on him because we needed to know what he was doing. There was no way we could have known what he was doing and he could have ruined the country. Well, if you're making that argument, you got to understand that you are committing to the position where the laws don't matter when you're in power. Okay. And that is the exact mindset of the totalitarian authoritarian, dictatorial, communist regime. And so you can't get mad when people point that out. All right. It's you taking on that mindset. Those of us that want to get America back to where it should be and see free and fair elections, you know, the conspiracy theorists out there, none of us think that way. Okay. I can tell you that with full sincerity. I don't want 
Republicans to win by cheating any more than I want Democrats to win by cheating. In fact, I don't care about quote unquote Republicans at all unless they are America first and they want to make America great again. And part of a making America great again is not doing corrupt, illegal shit. All right. It's getting all these problems straightened out the right way and a system put in place that can actually see us through to the future where people have their freedoms guaranteed and their voices heard. That's the point of what we are trying to do. And even apart from what the other side is doing, just examine the thought for a minute that you are so convinced that Donald Trump is bad and that all his supporters are domestic terrorists that you believe, despite the fact that he was legally elected, everyone else should do anything in their power, no matter how immoral or illegal, to make sure that the bad orange man goes to prison. Hey, you're a dictator. You're an authoritarian. That is your mindset. There is nothing good that springs forth from that. And then you turn around and pretend that your whole mission is about protecting the less fortunate. You don't care about laws. How can you say you care about protecting the less fortunate? It's this exact abuse of power. The people in power doing whatever they want that puts the less unfortunate in a continually worse position, which is why every place Democrats govern becomes absolutely ruined. But I digress. Here is Trump's statement from today. Can you imagine that? What should be the biggest story of our time, bigger than Watergate, is getting absolutely no mention, zero, in the New York Times, Washington Post, ABC fake news, NBC fake news, CBS fake news, ratings dead, CNN and MSDNC. This in itself is a scandal. The fact that a story so big, so powerful and so important for the future of our nation is getting zero coverage from lamestream is being talked about all over the world, just like they wouldn't talk about the many Biden corruption scandals prior to the election or for that matter now. They won't talk about this, which is potentially even bigger. It shows how totally corrupt and shameless the media is. Can you imagine if the roles were reversed and the Republicans, in particular President Donald Trump, got caught illegally spying into the office of the president? All hell would break loose and the electric chair would immediately come out of retirement. The good news is everybody is talking about not only this atrocity against our nation, but that the press refuses to even mention the major crime that took place. And you have to understand that he's right again. This is one of those stories. This is a real event. Okay. It really did happen that the Clinton campaign through the DNC, Perkins Coie, and whoever else, CrowdStrike, Joffe, all of them, they spied on Trump's campaign. They set Trump up They falsified FISA warrants so that they could spy on people around his campaign. And then beyond all that, without any warrants or anything else, just completely illegally, they got an agreement, a special agreement with some element of the U.S. government and then began spying on the president after he took office. And it's not just being talked about. It's not just proven to us without solid factual evidence. It is being legally contested and prosecuted, and we can see it in motion. They can't just hide from this forever. So what are they doing to their audience? They are going to make these people's brains break even worse than they were already going to, and their brains are going to break terribly. And I spent most of last year focused on this very problem. The fact that these people on that side You know, I think about where I was six years ago, for instance, still totally asleep that there was this other real world out there and that I was pretty much being steered away from it very craftily by a very sophisticated machine in the media, in big tech and elsewhere. And I was able to find my way out of that 
on my own. Okay. Situations affected my life, particularly Trump's win in 2016, where I began questioning everything that I thought and read and believed because it had steered me to a completely wrong place. And then when the governor of California just decided to cancel millions of people's jobs and careers because of the very scary virus. But these people at this point are not going to be afforded that option. And so, again, what I was trying to do last year was give people the tools that they could wake others up with, okay, that they would not have to back down any longer in the face of all this anti-factual nonsense put forth by liberals and liberal media. Because I really do believe that it's important for these people to be able to experience this process on their own, like to realize even this late in the game, which is very stupid and in some sense evil, that they have made an enormous mistake. It's better if they have the sense that they have the time to rectify that mistake. Okay. And when the ultimate reveal happens, right? If Hillary is one day perp walked, let's just say, okay, I'm not predicting it next week or whatever, but Hillary is a criminal who has committed crimes against the country. And she should be at some point perp walked in front of the nation. People are going to see that and they're going to have to reckon with it, but it's better if they've already gotten to the point that we are all at in terms of awakening to all of this stuff. It's better if they awaken to enough of it before they are hit with something that powerful because they know what they have said and they know what they have done these last two years. They know and they will know that they promoted child abuse, that they promoted medical experimentation with a shot that is honestly poison. Okay. Maybe not for everybody. All right. Maybe you got different bodies. Maybe some people haven't seen the effects yet. But Pfizer just had to cancel their approval meeting for the shot for kids from six months to five years. That was supposed to be tomorrow, and they canceled it. Moderna's CEO deleted his Twitter and sold off a bunch of stock. Moderna's stock price is tanking. Pfizer warned its investors last week about potentially damaging trial data. And now they're warning people to get checked for blood clotting if they experience any signs of clotting. And of course, there are reports of the vaccine creating an autoimmune deficiency syndrome. That's AIDS. They're calling it vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. That's VADES. And we've got Prince Harry advertising that everybody should get AIDS tests. Why? These people are going to know what they have supported, okay? They have been good Germans this entire time. People don't look back and think, oh, good Germans. Those were probably just really good people who happened to be German. No, those were the people who thought it was too much to stand up against the Nazis or that like what they were doing wasn't that bad or that those other people, Jews and whoever else really were that bad and deserved to die or at least deserved to be marginalized and silenced and separated from society. They didn't care because their lives just kept on going. They were concerned about maybe losing their job or losing their public standing. And often it's just the public standing. That's the party of false decorum through and through. But they're going to have that moment where they realize what they have supported. And not only did they support it in their home, right? They didn't just support it in their thoughts or they didn't just support it in their conversations with their partner or their family. They blasted it out all over the internet. Their entire community knows where they stand. And for the famous people, all of these useful idiots in Hollywood who have marched in lockstep with this Nazi movement, they have found themselves just inadvertently part of a hate movement. They're not going to just get away with it and hope that no one ever knows. Yeah, they're going to turn around and try to start saying the nice things and hope that people just get bored and pass them by. Because that's what they're accustomed to. That's the mindset they're accustomed to. They are surrounded by good Germans. All of these people who are making the same mistake. 
And that's another reason why they don't care about making mistakes. They don't care about immorality because they tell themselves everybody does it. And if everybody does it, then they're all responsible. And if we're all responsible, then none of us individually are. That is the real mindset there. That is one of the results of their constant practice of creating groups of people and then separating them. They embody that collectivist ideology that creates communism, Nazism, fascism, socialism, all of those things. It's because they divide into groups and then label one group good and one group bad. But eventually they're going to find out that they are in the smallest group possible. The group of people who were so privileged and so comfortable and so well off that not once in the last two years, in the midst of the two greatest concurrent crises this nation has ever faced, not once did they have to consider, oh, we might be wrong and the other people might be right. Not once. And they have dug their holes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and they will not be able to see a way out. That's why it is important to wake people up before, before that ultimate reveal, before it's too late. Now, some of those people might fall to their knees and beg everyone they know for forgiveness. And honestly, at that point, that is the single most honorable thing those people can do. And I am a fairly forgiving and charitable person. I would like to think at least in my personal life. And I would be inclined to forgive those people if they really understood what they were saying and they committed to not taking society back in that direction because we need a place for that. But the rest of them, the ones who don't accept the new reality that everyone else can see, the ones who are ripped out of their little fantasy world and still want to believe that the fantasy world was real the whole time, well, those people are going to be completely separated from reality. That is going to be a living hell. And what the media is doing by not covering this sort of thing is increasing the number of people who will ultimately go insane and never recover. And that is extraordinarily cruel. Okay. Because obviously this whole mainstream media thing, the operation mockingbird, all of it, this is a massive psyop against a people. And it worked really, really well. So long as people couldn't actually communicate with one another as if they were actual neighbors. Okay. Like I look at the, the, the chat thread every day that kind of goes off the podcasts, telegram channel. And I think of some of those people as if they are my neighbors. If they tell me something happened in their local community or their lives and allow me to ask them questions about what happened and they continue giving me answers that present a very real picture, I am inclined to believe them in full. And when you develop wide networks of people like that, it's entirely possible for people to actually make their localized, personalized experiences part of the information that informs what becomes the news. That is what used to happen with the news. Local newspapers would talk about their localities. The little cities all over the country, they would all have their own local newspaper. Little towns even had their own local newspapers. Now it has completely reversed. There are like six corporations that own all the news. They produce the main stories. And now you have the local papers reprinting national news and then telling you who won like the high school basketball game. And those local stories almost never rise up and make national news. They never hit the headlines. They never show up on your phone in an Apple news notification. And so you think the only things that are going on in the entire world are those things covered by the mainstream media, which pop up on your phone without you doing anything. And you think you're informed by doing that. And you think that you read from a wide array of sources as if they couldn't have convinced you of that too. And then how about this? Remember this right before the 2020 election? So the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Well, there's no e real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. 
Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes, and we can't put on things we can't no, verify. you won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign, they got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no, put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. That clip will live on throughout history as one of the most embarrassing and dishonest moments our mainstream media has ever given us. She knew, for sure, she knew. She tried to deny it in real time to the president of the United States, who is far more informed than Leslie Stahl. And she did it specifically to keep their narrative alive and to delegitimize the standing of the president of the United States of America. She did this to allow people to continue calling everyone who knew the truth a conspiracy theorist. And they would call Donald Trump dumb and crazy and irresponsible for making the claim that the people who spied on his campaign actually did spy on his campaign. And it's a perfect example of why the mainstream media is, in fact, the enemy of the people. And Rasmussen actually just polled this and they put the numbers up today. Do you agree or disagree with the statement the media are truly the enemy of the people in agreement? 56% of men, 58% of women by age group. It was right around that 60% mark until you were 65 or over. And then it dropped to 49% white Americans. 56% agree that the media is the enemy of the people. Black Americans, 61% other non-white 62%. So white Americans are actually more likely to think that the media is not the enemy of the people than Americans of ethnic minorities. The only group that isn't over 50%, independents are at 61, Republicans are at 76%, who believe the media is the enemy of the people. The only group that isn't over 50% are Democrats. 37% of Democrats believe that the media is the enemy of the people. Only 37%. All of them tied right to the central narrative addicted to the central narrative. They believe everything that media puts out and it doesn't matter how many times they're proven wrong. And it also doesn't matter who they're aligning themselves with either. The Democrats pretend that they are the champion of minority Americans, but they get their entire narrative on race from the mainstream media and from mainstream outlets, which are of course reinforced by the big tech companies, by the universities, by the corporations. But still, the Democrats find themselves in direct opposition to what the majority of black Americans actually think, to what the majority of minority Americans actually think. And it turns out that's true on almost every issue the Democrats pretend to care about. These people who still trust the media just repeat the media's slogans all day, all night. And the fake news forms the totality of their beliefs. But their beliefs are not popular at all. Their beliefs are only a repetition of the central narrative, which is why nearly two thirds of them still believe the media is on their side. It's because the media says the things that they think they believe, but they only believe those things because the media says them. It is an echo chamber. It's a closed loop. And this isn't simply about We have one set of views and they have another set of views. All right. Our views are not in opposition to them. They don't even understand what that means because they don't understand the content of their own beliefs. And they certainly don't understand the content of anyone else's. They just repeat what the media says. But as I said, they're not going to be able to avoid this. John Ratcliffe was on Fox News this morning, and this is a little summary from George News on Telegram. Trump-era Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe says Joe Biden and Barack Obama knew Hillary Clinton's campaign was trying to hack into Trump's servers to try and find links to the Kremlin. 
Ratcliffe said former CIA director John Brennan told Obama and the then Vice President Biden in 2016 about allegations Clinton was trying to fabricate Trump's links to Russia to distract from the scandal over her deleted emails. And that's what I was mentioning earlier. The former DNI also told Fox News Digital on Monday there is, quote, enough evidence, end quote, to indict multiple people in special counsel John Durham's probe into the origins of the Russia investigation into President Donald Trump. Do you think that Donald Trump's director of national intelligence doesn't actually know whether or not what he's saying is true? Do you think he's not familiar with the substance of documents that he handled while while he was director of national intelligence? Of course he does. And the backup for his position is everywhere. Meanwhile, you have people like John Brennan and Andrew McCabe on television still pretending that none of this is true, and they have never shown an ounce of evidence to support anything they say. So we know where this is going. And then Trump put out another statement today and hammered that home. He said, I was proven right about the spying, and I will be proven right about 2020. And he will. Anyone who continues to bet on Donald Trump at this point is crazy to me. All right. All of the things that people say about Donald Trump when they're trying to somehow intimate that he does not know what he's talking about end up arguing that he's stupid or crazy or just can't let go of his grip on power. Okay, I guess. Okay. That's what people said when Donald Trump gave that interview with Leslie Stahl, too. But it turns out he was exactly right. And he's been exactly right over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And critically, he's right about the important things, the big ideas. But people instead focus on his word choice or he can't say that or he's mean. Good luck. All of these people have considered themselves right about all of these things because all of the elite institutions, the mainstream media, the universities, big tech, the corporations, they all align with the views that these people are given and accept. And they apparently have no idea what the source of all these views are. They're doing the bidding of all of the most powerful institutions in the world by spreading the slogans. And even while they are wrong almost all the time about absolutely everything that matters, they keep going. Well, on the other side, we have people that say things way before the rest of the public is ready to hear them or understand them. And they question our sources and our methods. Ooh, our sources and methods. And they call us crazy and dangerous. Well, I will take this research community's batting average over all of theirs every single day of the week. And we're going to be right about the election. And we're going to be right about all of it. Because we did the homework. And we know what the other side thinks. And we know how to back up the things we say. And there are going to be a whole lot more instances of exactly that coming just day after day after day at this point. And there is absolutely nothing they can do to stop it. The only thing they can do is drag more sleeping people down with them. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, download the Telegram Messenger app and go to t.me slash I'm your moderator. I'm on Gab, Getter, Rumble and BitChute at I'm your moderator. You can find my writing at I'mYourModerator.substack.com and the merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the show financially, there is a crypto wallet address in the episode description or go 
ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you again soon out on the range. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's high noon! In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm Your Moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range. It's hell!